Hello and welcome to Ernie Ball's Striking a Chord podcast. I'm Evan Ball. Today I'll be speaking with guitar extraordinaire Rafael Moreira. Rafael Moreira is the consummate pro. He's been the guitarist for giant acts such as Christina Aguilera and Pink. He's been the guitarist on all kinds of TV shows, including The Voice, Rockstar, and American Idol. So in this episode, we talk about these experiences. What's it like playing enormous venues? What's it like being in the house band of one of these shows? Other topics include such varied subjects as Brazilian culture and Portuguese pronunciations. Rafael is from Brazil, by the way. Soccer, Kiss Cruises, his band Magnetico, and more. Ladies and gentlemen... Rafael Moreira. Rafael Moreira, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Evan. Of course. Maybe we can start there. Have you gotten used to people calling you Rafael instead of Rafael? Yeah, I sort of gave up uh, trying to correct everybody, yes. I bet. So for our audience, you're from Brazil originally? Yeah, grew up in Brazil, southern part. And before we get on topic... You're a good person to ask, I think. I've always kind of wondered, in Portuguese, or at least Brazilian Portuguese, is an R in the front of a word always an H sound? Yeah, it has an H sound. In the beginning, yes. Only in the beginning, yeah. In the beginning, in the middle, if you have a double R, it will have an H sound. Okay. If it's R, it's just, you know, you're either going to pronounce it like Moreira, or, or we say Moreira. Okay. If it's um, double R, like uh, the Formula One driver, uh, Hubens, instead of Rubens, it's Hubens. And then his name is Barrichello, Italian, but in the middle has a double R, so we call Barrichello. Oh, this is good. Here's something I've been wondering, because I follow, <laughs> I follow soccer and UFC. Yeah. And so I hear, like all the Gracies, we, we actually say Hoys or Henzo. Yeah. But in soccer, it's, it's Ronaldo, Ronaldinho. Should it be... A Ronaldo, Ronaldinho. That's how we say it. Yeah. Roberto uh, Carlos. <laughs> that's interesting. So even in, in Portugal, would it be Cristiano Ronaldo? Um, yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, the Portuguese from Portugal, you hear the R a little harsher, like uh, Ronaldo. You have the Rafael instead of Rafael. Okay. Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese is a little smoother, I think. We'll, we'll consider it a public service announcement for everybody on their, their, <laughs> their Portuguese pronunciations. <laughs> sure. Interesting, though, that that pronunciation translated in MMA, but not soccer, at least in the U.S., you know? Right. I, I hear what you're saying. Like, everyone in MMA under, knows that. Yeah. I watch it, man. I watched the last one uh, with Derek Lewis. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah, I heard I heard oh, it looked good though. The guy he was fighting was amazing. Amazing yeah. shijitsu guy from Russia. But Derek's so powerful. I mean, crazy. He's climbing the ladder as far as fan favorite for sure. Yeah. To stay off topic for a little longer, I think we have like really similar passions. Music, soccer, following MMA. You're just yes. way better at all these than I am, but <laughs> no. Um, okay, before we get on topic, I did see a video of you um juggling a soccer ball so i kind of knew that you had you had that that passion there yeah i um i grew up playing you know we uh grew up in a farm in brazil you know my dad had a farm 
my mom st- still lives in the same property and my dad played a lot of soccer and so he you know he had his home and he had a soccer field you know so we grew up playing and we rode horses played soccer BMX did you play on teams play on soccer teams growing up yeah i yeah. i did i did until I, will, I was maybe 15 16 was there any competition between soccer and guitar for you not really but i uh, i knew i loved guitar playing and music but everyone wants to play soccer in brazil it's a very competitive thing man so yeah. if you really if you if you're going to do it you got to sacrifice it all just like right. i did for guitar you know right 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 but i think the environment of playing music it's a little more fun uh less rigid in terms of uh you know taking care of yourself and being healthy and at an age where you want to have fun yeah all right, moving on to more uh, relevant topics to this podcast. Um, I want to give people a taste of your career because you have quite an amazing resume. Uh, you've toured and recorded with a variety of huge artists, done guitar clinics around the world, uh, played on every TV show you can think of. So it's very varied, right? Could you, could you maybe name three things you've done, like highlights that, that maybe stand out that you could share? Well, I did play... Saturday Night Live uh, with Christina and uh, that is Aguilera. Christina Aguilera. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, and it was while uh, during the the more cowbell skit with Christopher Walken. Oh yeah, it was a classic one. You know, more cowbell. We're watching that in the green room, and I was like, "This is incredible! I can't believe I'm my first big show." My first TV show ever is this one. Like, what year was that? Two thousand, twenty years ago. Okay. So that was really cool. Well, how'd you get that gig? Through an audition, actually. I was at home and I got a phone call from a friend from a payphone at MI Musicians Institute in Hollywood. And oh, okay. The guy was like, "Hafa, you got to come down. They're auditioning people at SIR." And I, I wasn't in the scene, you know, I was working, playing here and there. I, I was doing uh, gigs at Baked Potato, my own gigs. I, I really wanted to do my thing there, but I loved rock. But I was in the, this fusion mentality, really going deep. But I wanted to, to play. I needed to work. So I, I showed up there and I, I sort of got called to do a second audition. And things worked out. The next thing I know, I'm in New York doing SNL with Christopher Walken. <laughs> That's so cool. The other one, I was playing at Wembley uh, with Pink. And I left the stage and I, uh, this guy came up, came up to me and said, man, you're a terrific player. And when I looked up, it's, it's, <laughs> it's Brian May. Whoa. And I was like, this is like one of my biggest heroes, you know. I, I always loved his vibrato and the statements he made in his solos, you know. I love his playing, so that was a very sweet thing. That's awesome. Let me dig into that one a little bit. So so you're playing with Pink. Was it just that one gig, or did you play more gigs with her? I played with her for close to six years. Then I went back with Christina. Yeah, yeah. So, so these are giant acts. What is kind of the guitar player's role on a pop act like that? Like, what I'm thinking is... There's certain songs where the guitar is much more prominent and other songs where it's really not prominent. Like I feel, 
I've seen some pop acts where you can see the guitar player, but kind of have to strain to hear what the guitar player was doing. So was it this kind of thing where the guitar role would really vary song to song? I think, yes, in general, it is based on, you know, moments of the show and where mm -hmm. you can actually come in. And there's a lot to do with the personality of each guitar player. If you're a, like a little more laid back, more of a, I don't know, it's every, every gig I've done, I was able to sort of bring it, bring the guitar forward, you know, like have four, four twelves on stage and really okay. dig in and bring it like every single time. And it, you just got to know the melody of the music. Be, be aware that sometimes you shouldn't play here. It, it's good to not play sometimes. So you have some discretion even with big acts like Christina Aguilera or Pink. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. we got to sort of play the game. I don't mean the game per se. Like play the gig. Like when we surf, we surf that specific wave. Every wave is a little bit different, we adapt. But one thing that is really cool is that depending on the, the personality of the musician, you can really bring it. And things are done in a natural natural way where there's a reason why you're there, there's a reason why the, the singer might want to play with you and sort of use you to enhance the show and there's things that can be done that way that is beneficial to the show and and you end up being able to sort of showcase your guitar playing or have a little bit of a voice but it's not imposing it's more on a natural sort of basis right so you've already mentioned uh the baked potato and wembley two very different venues how do you compare you know, because most people don't get to play on, on the size stage of, of Wembley. What are some of the big differences? I would think it's maybe feels more isolating. I mean, you're so far away from the other bandmates. You have all the space. Is there anything that stands out, like as far as your experience playing those kinds of gigs versus something like the baked potato, say? You know, it's funny you ask that because when, when you're in a small setup like that, everything is so intimate and... Most of the time when, when I'm playing places like the Big Potato or even like the House of Blues, you know, with Paul Stanley, you know, somebody I've been playing with, sometimes we do smaller thousand people venues, you know, and it's way more vulnerable, man. It's like people are really zoomed in in what you're going to do next. It's yeah. very interesting. It's not when you're playing for a crowd like, you know, 80, 100,000, it is so cool, but you have to project. Yeah. It's just not about, it's a bigger, it's a bigger thing. So you got to really just think that way, think in a broader sort of a bigger picture way. Do you feel disconnected from, say, the drummer at all? Like, say, in a smaller club, you're, he's right there. Everybody's right there. Does it? Does that feel strange at all? Uh, it does. It depends on on the gig you're in. It depends on the mix. How much you rely on on. The, I mean, obviously, in my opinion, the band is as good as its drummer. Our, you know, the drummer. That's what I think. It's the most important instrument on stage that has gives everybody a a, a bass. Let's say that everyone relies on that beat, the groove. And, 
So yes, but I, I usually mix my the drums kind of loud, regardless if I'm using unears or I just like to hear drums so I can dig in deep, you know. Go yeah, still feel it. That deeper pocket, yeah. Yeah, okay. In as much as I can. That's cool. Okay. A- any other uh, moments from your varied career that you'd want to throw out there? Man, there's so many, Evan. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> so many fun times, man. Yeah. Um, I think playing with Paul Stanley, it, it, like the first time we met, we were on a show called Rockstar on CBS. That was a really good mm-hmm. show for me. Um, and that's, just to expand real quick, that's where NXS, on the first season at least, was looking for a new singer, right? Yes. Yeah. And we only had two seasons, unfortunately, because at the time people were comparing the show to American Idol and other bigger shows that were more more popular. But the Rockstar was a great show. And if it was on today with the same ratings, we would be doing great. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it was a great show, man. I got to play a lot of rock and roll classics on national TV. And that's when I made my move from Pink into staying town doing uh the second season of the tv show that's when we got a call from paul stanley's manager doc mcgee and and we all went to dinner with him it was a lot of fun it's just weird like oh my god that's paul stanley i I was a huge fan as a kid you know yeah so your band you have the shirt right uh magnetico you guys played with like on the kiss cruise i was reading yeah we done four kiss cruises we opened for kiss we went on tour with Steel Panther after the Kiss Cruise, which was really cool. Those guys ended up liking the band a lot. Uh, King's X invited us to open for them. They were on the Kiss Cruise. They became fans, bought T-shirts. and Those were the validations that we loved, you know, when people that we love that, that are great musicians or music that we really like, if they turn around and like our band, you know, it's, it's a trio I put together. A while back and we have two albums this two guys right here the first okay there we go songs about the world which is this t-shirt and the latest one which is death race it's a really cool artwork it's like post-apocalyptic and uh and this is my solo man this is done a long time ago it's called acid guitar it's like 12 minutes, 13 minute songs, no metronome, just kind of like. And very different stylistically from your, from Magnetico. Yeah, Yeah. that's why I kind of created Magnetico because I do a lot of acoustic music, you know. um, I do a lot of that stuff and I don't want to mix it up, you know. I don't want people to be a little bit like confused. Right. Well, you did mention Steel Panther a moment ago. Pretty funny band. I might as well ask, do they behave like they do in their videos when you're touring with them? <laughs> you know, they're great guys, you know. <laughs> they're super funny, man. I'm sure, yeah. Satchel, my God. It's like, and he's a beast of a guitar player, too. On that mm. Eddie sort of uh, vein. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Sticks, you know. I'm just telling their stage name. Uh, he joined us for soccer games at, on the cruise because mm. we kind of do that every time we go on the cruise. The, you know, me and the one or you know maybe one guy in Magnetico is a trio. You know, the drummer is Italian, so he's pretty good. Good addition to the Magnetico team. Like, yeah. 
So we got Steel Panther joining in, you know, and it was so much fun, man. We played some other bands and this is actually a fun thing. So what's the vibe on these cruises? I mean, that sounds fairly healthy. You're, you're actually uh, playing sports and exercising. Is it, <laughs> what you picture is like people just getting out of control and throwing up over the edge of the boat. Is it both? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I I always look for healthy things to do anywhere I, I am. You know, I I love surfing. If I can play soccer, if I can go for hikes, ping pong. Oh, my God. I have my own paddles bought in Japan. They custom made it for me. And on the cruise, I was playing with Ace Freely, my my guitar hero. And it wasn't fun because... Did you beat him? I played a couple nasty balls and he was like oh he's holding the paddle weird he left so i was like no ace come back <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i love ace man come on That's just yeah. not cool. but i enjoy partying too evan it's just you know like i like to to do both if you're just partying you're not gonna feel good you're not gonna be able to carry on the show or touring no i meant more the clientele like the the fans on the boat if it's if oh it's, yeah it's yeah. partying man it's good yeah. good good you know i think it's not terrible people love to drink uh and and there's a ton of shows going on kiss stuff everywhere you look as you could imagine you know you get out of your 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 room and it's kiss 24 7 it's pretty fun <laughs> that's great well, let's get back to the the shows. Uh, you were the guitarist for seasons three and four of The Voice, like you said, Rockstar in Excess, and the, I think the next season was Supernova. Yes. What else were you on? You were on American Idol, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this means you've learned pretty much every cover song under the sun. I would think. What is that process like to take in all these cover songs? Are you, are you sort of like a sponge at this point where you just listen to it and, and imbibe the song and turn it real quick? Yeah, I work best that way where you just have a good idea of the music, the song, the song and then you just make a, you know, you do your own interpretation of it. it. It also depends on the gig. If you're on the gig, if it's your gig, you're the guitar player, then yeah, you know, you get a chart. If you have to dig in you know, to learn the parts like Dream On from, from uh, Aerosmith. Yeah. yeah. Then you got to learn the little parts, you, you know, with the chart, it makes it a little faster, but you still, as a guitar player, we have to dig in. It's not as, it, yeah. it's not that easy. Like some people think it is, but you got to play rock and roll. You got to play it the way we understand it is the correct way. Some people read everything and it's just, Sounds like a karaoke band. Everything. Right, right. It's just not cool. So we got to play the music the way we like to hear it. So it's yeah. not just go there in front of a piece of music and try to recreate something that was done in the 60s and 70s, you know. But when I'm on the gig, I have a little more time to prepare. I always love to leave room for improv parts. If the solo is not that recognizable, I'm definitely going to throw in my own one-time solo I would never play it again and I love that that's my favorite thing to do if I play Bohemian Rhapsody I'm going to pay respect to one of the coolest solos and guitar yeah. players, uh, that we have ever had in, in this world and and I, I like to put my own spin you know hop the Hoffa stamp you know I love it but I forget all the songs after I don't retain them whatsoever 
it, it comes in, I do it, and then I'll never think about that song again. Um, I like to keep a lot of room to writing and, and coming up with new things, new music. Yeah, no, I'm just curious behind the scenes because I, I feel like the the band is such an underappreciated aspect of these shows. Uh, I mean, is it a ton of practice working with the contestants? Are you go- drilling those songs over and over before the well, actual real show? So here's how it works a little bit. If I have 20 songs for tomorrow, I'm going to shed them a little bit because of that rock uh, concept that we just talked about. You've got to play rock and roll the way it should be. I don't care what you, how professional you are. Oh, no Sandy charts. Don't ask me charts for Jimi Hendrix, please. <laughs> Just learn the tune, play the thing. That's what we do. It, it, <laughs> that that pisses me off. Like, hey, can you send me a chart for Jimi Hendrix? No. Yeah. <laughs> play this thing, man. But um, it's it's tough, Evan. When um, because we're working, you know, with a lot of younger, the younger. People, like you know, like people that probably missed a lot of the, this type of music, you know, that maybe I grew up with. True, yeah. So yeah. they then they will come in and 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 give their two cents and change a whole the whole song, the whole uh, dream on that you worked the night before to learn each, each little double stop. Oh no, I don't like any of that. Let's change. Oh, great. Yeah, I'm sure you have to be pretty quick on your feet for a job like that. And change keys all the time, left and right. Forget if it sounds good like that on the guitar. We're going to play in, in B flat, man. It was in E before, open string. Now we're going to play in B flat, so cool. All right, just do, let's do it. No, no problem. It's kind of a cool and ch- challenging for us because we make it happen, but it's... If you're on tour with 20 songs, the songs get better. You play every week and all of a sudden you, you're able to create things on top of what you already knew. In this TV shows, you always on your toe. Oh, There's nothing to grab on to. Only your instinct, once we're going to perform, finally, we're going to perform these 20 songs with all these changes, key changes. Now, is there anything left for me to do on this or like any creativity left that haven't been killed? That's, you know, we still add some things. We still improvise. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, related to that, something I I think about often is the pressure maybe to not mess up because everyone just assumes the band's going to nail the parts. It's really all about the contestant, but there's so much at stake with with the contestant. Is there pressure being in the band that you could mess up their opportunity if, if something goes wrong yeah there's there is always the chance that somebody might make a mistake but it's so rare i'm talking about yeah. like really good musicians people that are just people are very um confident yeah it, it it's completely necessary you can see to have the highest level of musicianship in a scenario like that and it's great you know uh, real pros Yes, real pros. I love doing rock star because we. I, I'm a huge performer. I love performing. I started when I was six years old, and I've always been on stage. I love the stage. I love playing in front of people, and it feeds my soul, you know? And it makes me even do crazier stuff on the spot that 
you know, it's sort of a on the improv side. And when you're not, when you're not being seen or having the interaction with the people, it's tougher on me, 100%. Because it's, it's not as fun, right? It's not as exciting. Yeah, for sure. Some people are okay with that. I know musicians that if you never, if they never been seen or if they never left the room, that they're, it's okay. It's completely fine. Yeah. So we all a little different, you know. Right. Okay. So did you move to the U.S. because you wanted to go to Musicians Institute? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it was either going to be Berkeley or Musicians Institute. I really, I was so hungry at the time for playing that I just didn't want to get the whole live situation and recording. Yeah. And they had some amazing teachers, you know. So how old were you when you moved over? 20. 20, okay. And previously you'd been in a band in Brazil, gigging around Brazil? Well, I've never done the so-called sideman before I moved to the States because... It wasn't something I even knew about it. I wasn't listening to Janet Jackson then. I didn't really pay attention to Madonna. Right. None of it. It was all rock and roll bands, fusion, Chikoria and Electric Band, Metallica, Pantera, all the British rock, you know, Richie Blackmore and Jimmy Page. That's what I loved. That's what I wanted to do. And uh, when I moved to MI, or to the States, to Los Angeles, and I went to MI, I was very open-minded with all the styles, you know, I, I didn't mind <laughs> really failing, you know, in class, like going to a jazz ensemble and just, <laughs> it's horrible, you know, but I, but I figured this is the time to do it. That's the right attitude, right? You just got to jump in. Yeah, I had long hair, man. Don't be bashful. Yeah, man, I was playing a lot of the, 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 shredding thing you know i i grew up playing a lot of that stuff and i had an ibanez that i bought in miami when i was 15 so i was kind of getting into that i was very passionate about that did you already speak english when you moved no really no not nothing i i i learned in school you know we're supposed to yeah i was i was thinking music and playing for a hundred thousand as a kid all every day all day long it's tough for me to focus on school. You know? I love right, music. right. Okay, so you had you knew exactly what you wanted to do early on, and you were going to do it. Since I was a little, since I know myself, Guitar Hero, to I am very honest about this, man. I loved <laughs> playing guitar. I wanted so bad, you know. Hey, did you think you would move back to Brazil after you went to MI, or was your plan to to make it in the music business in the states? You see, I didn't think that way at the, t- at the time. I didn't have an agenda like that. I was way more pure. I was kind of like experienced because I was a kid that enjoyed life to the max growing up. I had a lot of fun, a lot of freedom. Yeah, yeah. Lots of fun, man. Oh, my God. So moving to L.A. and, you know, staying in school for three and a half years with scholarship after. You know, I graduated. They, they awarded me scholarships because of my writing and I won this guitar competition in MI called uh, GIT Masters. It was really cool for me, but I was having a great time. I'd never miss school. I was the first one there. I would sleep. I would spend the night over 
like in school rehearsing with bandmates. I mean, we lived and breathed music, like playing guitar and playing and trying to play uh, the Brecker Brothers and transcribing and like really getting into this. Yeah, I don't know if you heard, I just did a, a podcast with John Myung from Dream Theater, but he had a similar uh, experience over at Berkeley, you know, on, on the other coast, just so immersed. And when they got Dream Theater together, it was just, you're just living it. I'm just day getting day out. So you're talking about those guys because I, I love their first album a lot. Yeah, it's just it's so good. And when they came out, I remember listening to the the CD. And I don't know, it was a CD. It wasn't a vinyl. It was uh, early '90s, right? Mm -hmm. I listen to that album every to this day. Yeah, so yeah, but they got the band together during their their college experience. You know, it is incredible. I'm yeah. very thankful. And I, I love the American school, the American music school vibe and the mentality and, and the language. There's a language within the country and how people communicate. And I love it. I'm totally based on that now, the, how we converse during jams, how we maintain the conversation. I learned here and I love it. That's great. Uh, so how are you spending your time these days? Are you writing a lot? For, yeah, for the band? Lot, I'm using a lot of this stuff. Uh, this guy. Ooh, that's nice. Um, just to give you a taste, let me just get this guy right here. And for our listeners, that looked like an open strum with a capo on the fifth fret? What is that? Seventh fret. Yeah. But I have so many different tunings, man. And... Uh, And I sing on top of this, you know. And, I love uh, that. Those are great chords. Uh, uh, and then. keeps going uh, you know i'm writing a lot man i'm writing just you know uh melodies lyrics the whole thing um uh, the wonders of the dreams you had and realized nothing is real unless you present in this life nothing can save you and it's, Woo. yeah, just writing a ton. I have a new song with, with Magnetical coming up that I recorded on a baritone Les Paul. Nice. It is just crazy rock with a little bit of a, uh, it's a weird feel. Like there's some, uh, uh, uh. With the baritone, it's crazy. I can't explain, but 
I wish I, you know. With distortion, that part? Oh, yeah. With the yeah, yeah, so it's heavy. Phone, and then it just gets into this crazy pog, you know, low octave, a lower octave from the B. <laughs> it's like, so wait, is that a single that's coming out soon? Yeah, yeah. Okay. With Magnetico. And I have all this acoustic material that I'm working on right now. Yeah, man, I'm trying to stay busy teaching. I teach. I uh, moved some of the lessons to Zoom. And uh, and I produce, you know, I produce other bands and, and acts, which is fun for me because of the arrangements and knowledge that I sort of uh, was able to, like, apply on the TV shows when, you know, we're all at, we're all give input and, you know. For sure, yeah, your experience base is so broad. You, yeah. So you I could be used that. in any capacity. I offer all the services on my website. You know, people just, when they go to my website, they can check out, you know, the writing and, and, and producing and things like that, guitar lessons. And cool. Yeah, we'll put the, your website in show notes. But is, is it your name.com? Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. All right, let's do a, a lightning round. Let's see what happens. <laughs> oh Some random God. questions here. If you could tour with any band or artist, past or present, who would it be? But it's just too many. Do I have to pick one? Yeah. Pick as many as you want. Just toss them out there. I love Sting. I love The Police. Mm-hmm. I really like yeah. The Police. It's a huge band for me. And yeah, the Sting is a cool guy. I think it would be good to sort of play with him. Okay. I know he's got Dominic, but you never know. Hey, Dominic, you played with Sting for too long, dude. Just, you know, pass the torch a little. Sting's a huge fan of this show, so I think you're in. <laughs> uh, okay. White Snake because of John Sykes, you know, some one of my favorite guitar players. Oh, okay. I just love yeah. that 87 album, man. So is that, was that his era, John Sykes, late 80s? John was in Thin Lizzy for a while. And then he went to do that album with Whitesnake, uh, 87, that has, Is This Love? That has that oh, he's on that song. Okay. Was that Adrian Vandenberg, too? I'm trying None to remember. guys. It was John Sykes that recorded the whole album and co-wrote the songs. Uh, Dave Coverdale brought in um, Adrian Vandenberg to do one solo on Here I Go Again. Oh, okay. That solo is not John Sykes. You can hear John playing all the rhythms, and he yeah. adds vibratos in, in the rhythm, man. It's so, yeah, it's so wide and crazy. But then you, you have Adrian playing the solo on the biggest song, and I was like, why gotcha. do you John Sykes, man? <laughs> I got upset because, you know, I'm going to side with the guitar players, right? Right, right. Okay, <laughs> ideal set length. You get to choose. You're just out on tour. You get to pick your set length. What would it be? As far as like the, the time, how long it Anything, is? Anything. Just like how long you want to work that night, how long you like being on stage. I think um, two, two hours. Two hours. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, right. uh, it, it, it's two hours. I mean. Well, you're playing with giant bands too, so that makes sense. Just, like, you have so many songs. Like how it's just, I mean, yeah, you can do an hour and a half. That's fine. I think an hour, it's a little bit, uh, when you're used to playing, an hour gets to be not long enough. Mm-hmm. So I think an hour and a half would be the normal. And two hours is a pretty good show. If yeah. you have a lot of songs and a lot of hits, if you're coming up, 45, an hour tops. All right. 
So we talked about some of your best gigs or most memorable. Do you have a worst gig ever? Yeah, man. All right. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've done some pretty, pretty weird gigs. <laughs> okay. Can I say it? No, I mean, yeah. there's many. Okay, well, let me just go off, not off the record, but like off the scene. Before I got the gig with Christina, I was working on a, with a disco band. It wasn't fun, man. <laughs> it, it was supposed to be crazy and fun because it's a disco thing. And we're all young, you know. Like, But the band that I joined, they were older than me and they wanted me to invest in it, to buy more platform shoes. I'm like, hell no, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> you guys killed the vibe. It's supposed to be fun. Disco bands are fun, man. If you, it's a party, but it wasn't like that. So I ended up letting, being, you know, they let me go. I guess uh, after a year, and then I got the gig with Christine. I was like super thankful. Okay, so it was an overall project. It wasn't like one single gig where like you fell off the stage or the, you know, people threw stuff at you. No, I don't think that ever happened. Yeah. Ever. But I, I did get a little bit of a couple people getting upset in the beginning of Paul Stanley's gigs when we were doing all Kiss material. Oh. We were on tour with Paul Stanley playing Kiss music. Yeah. And he's like, guys, so you know, this is not going to... We, I want you guys to bring your own thing. You know, do your thing. Obviously, we're, we're going to, you know, so, some of the parts, we got to play the way it is, you know. Actually went to Paul's house to learn all the cool parts, Ace part. It's great, but some of the solo, some of the things he, you know, he said he encouraged me to be me and add my own thing, which is actually cool because, not you know, you can't really do that on Kiss that much because it's very, it's a, it, you know, you got to play note by note. So, so improvising a little bit on Kiss, some people just it just doesn't go well with them. Right, right, okay. But after two songs, I think they were into it. They were like, they, I won them over. So that was good for me. That's funny. That's similar to, uh, I was talking to Steve Morris, and when he first joined Deep Purple, <laughs> he had he had some, some tough customers to win over for sure. I love you Steve, know. man. What a great guitar player. Yeah. But it, it took, you know, it took some getting used to from, from some of those purest fans to accept <laughs> someone new. Yeah, I, I got, I got, yeah, I got some dirty looks, man. It's like, okay, we're getting more random here. You're a world traveler, though. So, if you were to buy three houses around the world, what cities would they be in? I think I would like to have a house somewhere in Italy, maybe outside. Well, I was in Luca, and Luca was really cool. It's not, not far from the pizza, pizza tower, pizza tower. Yeah, yeah. Leaning tower. I, I like that. I think it's Tuscany. My mom's side, my grandma's family come from that area. My dad's side to, as well. So I kind of like... Okay, so you kind of feel like you have some roots there. Yeah, it would be kind of cool to, to have a place in Italy. Okay. Uh, I would like to have a place in the north part of Brazil, which is the opposite where I grew up. Oh, interesting. It's just more tropical, like more... And maybe somewhere... Where are you right now? Are you in L.A.? I mean, LA, my my little studio here in my house. Okay, but it's not making the top three yet. No, because I'm already here, right? I already have a little place here. 
I would like to live somewhere like Costa Rica, where it's it's just beach every day. I don't know. It would be yeah. kind of fun surf and play soccer at the beach, man. Oh yeah. Just like yeah. Yeah, when I was uh, 16, our our club team we went to had a Costa Rican adventure and went over there for two two weeks and played Costa Rican teams and stayed on the beach. It was amazing. What position you play? Uh, I was usually I was in the midfield somewhere in club. I was I was usually right right mid high school. I played in center mid. Play the same position, man. Yeah, we gotta get I love together, it. Play some soccer. Yeah. I would love to, Evan. Anytime, yeah. and I. I was playing on a on a league. They they let me in. It's those old uh, English dudes. Uh, they used to have um, Billy Duffy. Yeah. From the old, he brought me to this league, and I've been playing for twenty years. So he's a soccer player too, huh? The soccer player. Yeah, okay, that sounds familiar, actually. Yeah, the, brought me to play at Robbie Williams' house. Oh. So he kind of took. Does Robbie me Williams to, play soccer? Yeah, man. Yeah. Robbie did. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was like wow. And I, the uh, Ziggy Marley, Rowan Marley, all the the Marley guys came and played. How fun! So there's there's kind of a network of uh, musicians that play soccer, huh? Yeah. It, all, all congregating at Robbie Williams' house. <laughs> yeah. At one point, everybody went there, and I remember going up to the house and get getting yelled by Joe Pesci. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God, man, I was like, was he the the cranky neighbor? Yes. I swear to God, Evan. I got yelled by Joe Pesci. You guys should shut up. And I was like, "Good fellas, Pesci." I was like, "Dude, this is amazing. Everybody lives here." And yeah, man, and and all these guys, uh, the, the bass player for Tool, we used to play in leagues. Justin know? Chancellor, he was he was my my first interview for this podcast. That's crazy. Yeah, I played with him a couple times. And I know he's a Chelsea fan. Yeah, Chelsea. Just I think they just lost William. William, Will, William, yeah, the Brazilian, yeah, yeah. I think he left, didn't he? Right. Yeah, now. he he has. I don't know if he's gone yet, but he he is he is leaving to Arsenal. Yeah. No, I I like a lot of Americans started kind of supporting Chelsea after Christian Pulisic went over there. Yeah, he's a good so, player, right? Yeah, he's doing. He's very good. I mean, I think he's the best American we've had, and he's he's and he's scoring lots of goals for Chelsea, a top team. So. Right. Uh, it's been it's been fun to see him in there. I think it was a good move for them. They probably pulled in a lot of American fans, you know, for Chelsea I'm, financially. I'm we get on it, you know, the, that we get better. There's no reason why not. Yeah. Well, like you said, it's just the culture is so deep in so many of these countries. You know, obviously in Brazil, where it's just probably nothing but soccer from two years old for some of these people, I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, we do like other things. Surfing is huge. It's always been huge, and now. The Brazilians are up there with John, John, Florence. I mean, that's really, that's a great surfer, man. If he's not there, the Brazilians dominate. But every time he comes back, it's like, whoa, this guy's Hawaiian dude. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, MMA, volleyball. Brazil, we love volleyball. Since we're kids, I I played, played in teams. It's a big deal. I didn't know that. Okay. I thought I thought soccer was just completely dominant, but well, it probably is. But there's other stuff volleyball too. Is volleyball is big. We we are really good at volleyball. We had MMA, Formula One, okay. Andy, Andy Carr, all the Brazilian guys, Elio Castroneve, Fittipaldi, Tony, Canan. So we have uh, love for for racing as well. Yeah, but yeah, we don't have football. 
like American football. I mean, we do, but it's not baseball. Basketball, we're we're up there, kind of trying to mm-hmm. get with everybody on top. You know, I think yeah. we we had some good runs, but nothing compared to NBA. Oh my God! It's like you yeah. Can't. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hey, before I let you go, we got one more question in the lightning round. Uh, what's your favorite set of guitar strings? Ah, uh, man. I think the, I think regularly I use the M Steels, you know? The, the oh, 10, okay. Yeah. It's a 46. 10 to 46, you said? Yeah, just, yeah. A, just regularly, you know? Yeah. But if I, if I go on tour, I'm probably going to use the Paradigms, you know? It just holds the... Extra strength. Yeah, man, it's just a little harder to break the strings. It lasts a little longer for me. I just got this guy from Derek that I just put on my guitars, the Earthwoods. Okay, 12 to 54. Yeah. Is that phosphor or 80-20? It looks like 80-20. This is 80-20. I usually like the phosphors, Mm -hmm. but I, I like this as well. Well... Rafael, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And, thank you so much, Evan, for having me. I really appreciate you guys for having me on the company and on the podcast. And Our pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Ernie Ball's Striking Accord podcast. Check out Rafael's website, rafaelmorera.com. Remember, that's Rafael with an R, like Rafael. If you'd like to contact us, please email strikingaccord at ernieball.com. Okay, I need to check. Raphael or Raphael? Raphael. Raphael, okay. Raphael, that was great, man. All right, let's kick it off.